football on off the ball. They've got as much quality high up the pitch as any team kind of struggle. And if you're Liverpool's party, I think, oh, this isn't great. But suddenly in a 10, 15 minute period, that front three can click. Join in the obsession. Subscribe now at offtheball.com forward slash join. Well, we're just finished uh, reporting, commentating on a very historic match here at the Aviva Stadium this afternoon. The very first time the Republic of Ireland senior women's team have played at the Aviva Stadium here on Lansdowne Road. We're deep in the bells of the stadium here in the press conference room. Myself, Stephen Doyle, alongside my off-the-ball colleague, Kathleen McNamee. Um, Kathleen, just to start off first, the occasion itself, playing here at the stadium. I was coming in myself before the match. There was coach loads of Irish fans, uh, I suppose a large contingent of young Irish fans coming to the game. It felt like there was a real sense of occasion for this big match and it, really did. it certainly delivered, I think, on, the, on the, the game itself. Yeah, and I'm glad that they did put everything into it to make sure it did feel like that because they very easily could have said, oh, we're putting it on at the Aviva and we don't need to do anything else. But there was a real sense around town, even when I was like coming through, like I saw quite a few people in the city centre going to watch the matches in different places. And I think it, we're seeing the knock-on effect now from the World Cup and what the team built while they were out there and like it's funny when you think about it that for so long we've been having this conversation of like oh sell out Tala first and then we'll come and we'll play in the Aviva but as you saw like what 36,000 people there today and the atmosphere was great they really built into it I think as the match went on with the fans you know at the start it was maybe a little bit quiet but then by the end of the match it was like every time a player came near the sidelines they were getting massive cheers people were on their feet there was Koi gig chants going up I'd love to think it was about our podcast but I think it was probably for the team and uh, there was Ireland chants going and that's the thing like I think sometimes people don't understand the fact that we're trying to build a football culture among a young set of fans who maybe haven't had the opportunity in the past to go to matches and see themselves represented and that's going to take time and it's going to take time for those atmospheres to build but when those kids we saw today are in their 20s, 30s, 40s, and they're going to games, it's it's going to be unreal. So, yeah, it's it's really nice. And I really hope it's not the last one we see, because if they can get 36,000 people, should we not be getting 36,000 people every time? Absolutely. Well, I've, I've tweeted such because um, I put up a video which really impressed me, the, this particular scene where it was a good few minutes after the full-time whistle. The players went on a bit of a lap of honour, and there was still a huge crowd left behind here at the Aviva Stadium and they gave them a rapturous round of applause as they came around. And that's great to see that the supporters are there to, to, to do this for the players. But what that must mean for the players, not only do they come out to a full stadium or you know close to full stadium, and that is inspirational in itself, but to be sent off for the second game against Hungary with that kind of scene in their minds as well is huge for the players. Yeah, and we were chatting to Lucy Quinn about it out there just in the mix zone before we started chatting. And she was saying, you know, it was like there was a 12th man on the pitch for the entire game. You know, you felt that support. and 12th woman. A 12th woman, you're very right. <laughs> I just go with the 12th person, it's probably the safest. Um, but, yeah. you know, she said you really felt it. And we asked her, you know, how do you feel when you scored the goal? The whole place went absolutely mental. And she was like, I blacked out. I literally have no memory of it whatsoever. She was like, I saw it go in and I just started running but yeah it was it's great and it's the fact that you know these people have turned up to a game that's like it's not a star-studded opposition that we're facing Mm. it is a derby which adds a little bit of interest to it but it's not like you know we were getting maybe like some of the players we had whenever France were playing here or Sweden so the fact people are just turning up to see this team because they want to follow them they want to support them and they want to be part of the journey and I think that's great. 
And what an honour it was for Eileen Gleeson, the interim head coach, uh, a woman who has Irish women's football coursing through her veins. She's been involved in the game here for so, so long. A proud day for her as well. And the woman who got to pick the first Irish starting eleven to play here at the Aviva Stadium. What did you think when you saw the team? Well, I, I probably think I know what was the first <laughs> thing that jumped out at you. Yeah, well, I mean, Tyler Toland was definitely the, one, the name <laughs> that jumped out at me. But, uh, I mean, player of the match for her, it was well-deserved. She mm. put in a serious, serious shift. And I think you really see the effect now of that regular football that she's getting. It's at Blackburn, so it's not at the highest level just yet. But, you know, that's a really, really competitive league. I think that's mm. probably the most competitive it's been in a long, long time. Um, and she just looks so at ease out there, you know, she didn't look like she hadn't been playing with the squad for a long time. Um, and then, of course, the other standout name was the debut for Caitlin Hines. I mean, like, what a debut to have. And speaking to her afterwards, she was just so genuine at how delighted she was to step out and put on the green jersey and was talking to give, her. Give, maybe give people a little bit of background there. Yeah, to her so story she, she came about. she's 28-year-old, obviously plays in defence. Um, she has Irish family and, like she said herself she has really really strong connections to them she hasn't been called into the squad before but she said she has been actively making the FAI aware that she that is something that she wants to do uh, club captain over at Celtic has had really great seasons with them really interesting name to come in because you know she is 28 but more like of a developed player it's not a young player that we've kind of coaxed to come in and join the setup but um yeah she she just seems like a really solid player and I mean if she's if Louise Quinn is her hero, we're happily take <laughs> someone who tries to replicate the sort of career that Louise has had for Ireland. Um, and, you know, we pointed out several times in the comms when we were doing them, the fact that she was the t- kind of target person mm-hmm. for a lot set of balls pieces. and set pieces that mm-hmm. were coming in. Um, and she said herself, she was like, probably should have scored a couple of those, but that her role in Celtic is very similar to that. And mm-hmm. so for her, it wasn't actually all that unusual coming into the team and being that person. She was joking. I, I have always been the tall girl, so <laughs> I know what's expected of me, but I'm really interested to see how she comes into the squad as it goes on because one of the things is our defense is getting a little bit older I always have to be very careful when I say this not to insult (laughs) any of them because I'm not putting any of them in a retirement home yet but they are getting that little bit older so we need to be planning for the future and having someone who's kind of experienced but also still has a few years is really really important Mm, definitely and I spoke to one of the FAI members of staff who coached with Shamrock Rovers Claire Walsh is another name she mentioned as a player who could come in in that area of course Aoife Mannion when she comes back from injury hopefully will be able to come in there as well um Tyler Tolan, we've spoke, we've touched on already as well. Um, Lucy Quinn, a player who I've, I've always really liked. I think she's one of those players you can see she, she, she's a workhorse and she puts in, you know, she really leaves it all out there on the pitch, uh, to use that cliche. But she is a goal scorer. She's a centre forward. She got three, I think, before today. She got her fourth there and she probably could have had a couple more. She was very impressive, I thought. She was very impressive and it's just a trajectory that we've seen her build on over the last couple of months. You know, she wasn't in that initial squad that was pitched for the US and then went in because of injuries in the squad and play like she was a revelation during that and everyone was like wait is this the same player that we've known for so long and then the same at the World Cup I mean every time she was on the pitch put in an absolutely incredible shift and I I am delighted for her she's 
an incredibly funny person whenever you're chatting to her and she hasn't had the easiest week um, Maddie Cusick the player that died during the week she course, played with yeah. her so and she actually had a little wristband on with mm-hmm. MC and her number on it so you know I think for her there's going to be a lot of emotions around today and I think that you know you could see at the start of the first half she was getting quite frustrated with the balls that were coming in to her and she I asked her about it afterwards and she was saying like it was partly selfish because she was like you want to be on the ball as much as possible you want to be you know that point person when she was like but also I wasn't playing great and I was probably like as much as I was saying to other people you know give me better balls I was also giving off to myself and saying you know come on and do a little bit better <laughs> um but she said like you know it's just sometimes that happens in games there was a yeah. couple of new players and one is a very settled squad so it just took them all a little bit of time to adjust and interesting when you looked at both team sheets when we got them the Northern Ireland team was down as a back three but they eventually were playing in a, a back four. It was the other way around for Ireland. Eileen Gleeson named her team as a back four, as a, a 4-3-3, but it was a back three mm-hmm. uh, with Katie McCabe, Heather Payne as the wing backs, and uh, Toland and... Um, we had Toland, Denise O'Sullivan, Conley. and uh, Connolly in the, the midfield three. Obviously, Denise O'Sullivan playing a bit forward or forward. So no real surprises, do you think, in the formation there and the shape of the team? Not massively. I mean, it was interesting, the back three in that a lot of the time we saw Vera just commit to the five and that was it we never really got whereas I liked the fact that the wingers are able to get like a little bit higher up the pitch obviously Northern Ireland targeted Katie McCabe as a player that they were going to mark I think she had about two players on her for most of the game not that it stopped her several times she had some (laughs) very good battles Um, but no I don't think there was any massive surprises I was it was nice to see Connolly back in midfield I really think that's where she should be playing I know in the World Cup kind of we had that issue in our defense but I think what Eileen showed today is that we don't actually have to do that like she, she says it herself, she'll play wherever the team needs her to play. But yeah. you can see she's far more comfortable in that midfield role. And it's just a more natural setup for us, I think. Um, because I also think it gives the likes of Denise O'Sullivan a little bit of freedom mm. to play the way we know we can. Hopefully she's all right, actually, as well. Because she looked in quite a lot of pain at the end of the game there. Um, yeah. She was in tears and there was a couple of members of the staff around her. So hopefully that's not anything too serious. But no, Absolutely. I think this is probably what we're going to see from this mm. team for a while anyways, if Eileen Gleeson does stay on. And we should note as well, Abby Larkin, very impressive when she came off the bench, as she always is. Um, we were going to touch on set pieces as well, because this is something that was spoken about in the build-up to the game. They were very impressive. It looks like Katie McCabe was working maybe on the long throw as well as her corner kicks. But they were, as we'd expect from her, great deliveries for, for all the set pieces. But it looks like something, do you think, they've worked on since the World Cup? Definitely. I mean, you pointed it out at one stage about one of the corners that went in and it was quite high and floating, which isn't really the sort of corners that they normally do. And But as the match went on, I feel like Katie probably mishit that one. And what they were yeah. actually trying to do was to get it to the far post and have uh, Caitlin in there to like head it in. And as she said herself, she's done it a couple of times uh, over with Celtic. I just... Uh, we've always been so reliant on set pieces to score because we don't have that natural goal scorer in that we can't get Katie far up because we generally need her to play a bit more defensively and it just felt like they really had a plan like they knew exactly where every ball was going and pretty much every one of them was pinpoint deliveries you know Northern Ireland did well to defend a lot of them but you always felt like they were getting it to the player that they wanted to get it to and I don't know did we see that sort of control from the team during the World Cup Um, so I really hope they can build on that a little Mm -hmm. bit more 
there's obviously you're going to have to change things up a little bit because it'll be very easy for other teams to you know I, I said that to Eileen Gleeson actually I was <laughs> like you know it was quite obviously you were using Caitlin as the point person yeah. you know can you tell us a little bit about that and she was like shh don't tell the other teams like we can't let them know <laughs> um, which is another thing I like about Eileen she has a good sense of humor about her yeah. Um, so yeah I think that we definitely need to keep building on that and making sure that we have a couple of different options so we're not relying on one because it's great we worked it really well today but you're going to need something a bit different in the future what was Gleason's kind of general demeanour or comments after the game how did you delighted with herself yeah yeah so happy as you said when you were starting off like you know she's a woman who lives breathes like Irish football runs through her like her blood she is just absolutely all in and especially on the women and girls side so I can't imagine for her how weird it was that like a week ago she was just sitting at home had a very different job and then all of a sudden you're picking your first ever team for the Aviva um, so yeah she was just happy she was quite content with how the team played uh, was kind of emphasising the fact that it was a clean slate which is really good I think that was really mm-hmm. important for the team and that there was those couple of goals because that's something if you look at all our previous results up to this point it's been a while since we had that sort of like three nil okay proper comprehensive win Mm. and with everything that's happened beyond the importance for actual qualification that's really important for this team's confidence and assuredness because I'm I'm sure like as much as you don't listen to the noise there probably was like a few Mm. voices in their heads going is everything that's being said by the fans or in the media is that right is it not and I think they came out today and they showed that you know they can put in these really good comprehensive performances. And I think Eileen was exactly the right steady hand to Mm. guide the ship at the moment. Do you think the players, and as much as players in all sports and all codes will tell us they don't listen to what's going on in the media or on social media, whatever the case may be, um, do you think that the stuff that went on after the Diane Caldwell interview and a lot of talk about maybe the loss of public support for the team do you think they maybe were motivated by that to some extent today I think you kind of have to be like I I like challenge to find a person who could have that much of a storm around them and completely ignore it mm. I think it's always going to be there you're going to like we've been asking questions to them all week about it because it is the topic of conversation so I think it definitely would have given them a bit of a kick and we have seen a lot of this a lot of the time with this team is they when something happens they're not really the sort of team that let it get to them in the sense that it takes over a lot of time they are able to use it as fuel and I think with the figures that came in in like Eileen Gleason and say the likes of Emma Byrne even they're familiar faces so like it it wasn't a massive switch up for the team and then they're having to deal with all this background noise as well they kind of they had a sense of familiarity so they were able to compartmentalize basically is what a lot of them have said and just say okay right we're putting that in that box and we know we're going to be asked about it but we'll only open it when we have to mm. and then put it back away again so yeah i think definitely it was a motivating factor for them today and uh, i'm sure there's a few of them that are sitting there quite happy that they managed to get that performance after some of the things that were being said about them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it will take a lot of pressure off their shoulders. However, I do think it puts a lot of pressure on the shoulders of maybe Mark Cannon and the FAI because now they've seen a performance from these players that shows that if they are led by the right head coach or manager, there's a lot of potential there. And it was interesting to listen to Eileen Gleeson being asked questions during the week about the job. She never 
said that she didn't want it or wasn't interested in it. She always uh, kind of said, I'm kind of focused on these two games or I'm focused on my role as the head of women's mm. football, which is very important as well, I think, in the, going into the future. Do you think she is a candidate and has this game, well, this game will have done her the world of good, but is she a genuine live candidate for the job permanently? I think she has to be, and I think her name probably would have been in circulation even if she hadn't taken the interim job. Um, I interestingly had a discussion with Karen Duggan about it on the Quiggig pod earlier when we were pre- previewing this game, and she was saying, but there's also the side of, do you want to lose someone like Eileen from that head of women's and football, or women and girls football role, because she is... That's so a really good, good. Point. like, yeah. Yeah. and she she has worked in Ireland for so long. You know, she knows the ins and outs of every club, every league, no matter what layer it's at. So there is that side of things. I mean, on a purely selfish point of view, you could just look at it from the national side and be like, she would be an interesting appointment there and could be the person. Um, and also, I don't know. I just I, there feels like there's a sense of happiness around the squad at the moment, and you're mm. like, do you want to? make that too turbulent or anything now they do have a bit of time like the european qualifiers aren't until february i think mm-hmm. um so we're like we're pretty much wrapping up kind of soon enough for the international window so would you put her in charge just for like a final few games i would take her as head coach i mean mm-hmm. I, i'm a big fan of hers and um the players seem to be as well. Do you think they'd be happy yeah, with that? Yeah, and I think she's been quite smart in the people she's surrounded herself. You know, the likes of Colin Healy, Emma Byrne, brought in some really interna- uh, interesting international faces as well um, for different various roles. So I think she has to be in consideration. I think the FAI have to ask her the question of, mm. is this something that you want? Do you think it's something that you can take on? Um, but there is that other side of, well... Maybe maybe she's good where she is. Maybe she's already doing great things for mm. Irish football. Well, she is doing great things, but different things for Irish football. Yeah, Great stuff, Kathleen. Well, listen, I'm sure we'll hear a lot more analysis of this game and look ahead to the Hungry match as well um, on the Koi Gig pod. When's it back out again? Yes, we'll be back on Monday, 7 a.m. We are recording, so it should be in your ears by about 8 a.m. Make sure you download that. And uh, if not yet, do become a member of Off the Ball where you can hear all of the uh, podcasts and everything else, else uh, bit of content that goes out on the Off The Ball channels. Uh, but for now, from the Aviva Stadium, myself, Stephen Doyle and Kathleen McNamee with me, we say goodbye to you for now.